Welcome, weary traveller. I've been waiting for you, oh, so very patiently. I am Silas Lancaster, and this is my library of the obscure and the terrible. Please, make yourself comfortable, I insist, while I select a suitable volume for tonight's story. Mm, yes, I think this one. Yes, yes. With the current world situation, it feels rather apt. So many of us have been cooped up for so long that we all feel a touch of cabin fever from time to time. However, one should ever be thankful, for there are worse, more horrifying things than isolation. The Majestic Goose Network presents Cabin Fever by Tanya Schofield, adapted for audio by Danielle Thewin. Tonight we join a young girl on the eve of her birthday, December 21st. She's turning 11, but it seems that her night will not be quite what she expected. Tempest is fugiting, ladies. Aren't you dressed yet? We don't be late to the Yule Gala, do we? Emmy doesn't feel well. Open up and say ah. Ah. Ah, oh, shit. You look, Jeff. Tell me I'm wrong. She's pretty hot. Say ah, Emmy. Ah, ow. I'm really sorry. I don't want to ruin the party. <sighs> we can't not go. This could be their last. We can't risk an entire nursing home full of senior citizens, Liz. Or the twins? Shit, Janice would have a stroke if her precious baby boy got something as low class as a strep throat. Emmy, baby, go get into your pajamas, okay? But it's my birthday. Nana and Pop are gonna sing to me. You said they would. Sick is sick, little girl. I'm sorry. Go on, now. They're my parents, Jeff. This isn't a choice. Emmy will be alright for a little while. At barely 11 years old? I stayed alone at her age, in this cabin. We'll be on an hour, two tops. Well, you're her mother, so this is your decision. <sighs> Why couldn't Max be here? He could have stayed with Emmy. He hasn't seen his mother in three years, Liz. She's been through the program. I couldn't keep him from her. Yeah, well, she picked a rotten time to get sober. Liz. Okay. Find me some honey. I thought Janice cleared this place out. My sister wouldn't be caught dead. She hired someone. They might have left something. What do I do, Jeff? It's alright. It's okay. Just breathe. We'll go for a while. Visit you with your parents. Just long enough to keep Janice off your back. Emmy can have the rest of my Gatorade. And we'll stop at the pharmacy on the way back. She's a good kid. She'll be fine. I love you. Love you most. Mom, your price tag's hanging out. I put my dress back on the hanger, but I couldn't get the plastic right. I'll take care of it before I bring them back to the store. Don't worry. You're a good girl, Emmy, no matter what your mom says about you. Huh. <laughs> Emmy, baby, 
Jeff and I still have to go see Nana and Pop. Not for long. We'll get you some medicine on the way back, okay? It's okay, Mom. I brought my book. I'm sorry your birthday always sucks. There's always Christmas. I love you so much, kiddo. Drink this while we're gone, okay? We'll bring back some more. Thanks. Okay. Emmy will be at the Riverfront Oaks Assisted Living and Memory Care Facility. This is their card. I'll leave it by the phone. You can just call there and ask them to page me if you need anything. We'll lock the door when we leave. Don't open it for anyone. If someone calls, say you're in the shower and jiggle the toilet handle after you flush. I'll be okay, I promise. Me and all the sheet monsters won't throw a party or anything. <laughs> sheet monsters. You're a funny kid, I'll give you that. I've got a whole book I can read. I might not even notice you're gone. <gasps> you wound me. The two of you are ridiculous. Emmy, make sure you drink the Gatorade, okay? I don't want you getting dehydrated on top of being sick. I will. Be good. Lock the door. Alone in the cabin, Emmy walked across the small room to sit on the love seat, the only piece of furniture not draped in a sheet or a blanket. Curling up with her book, she caught a glimpse of herself in the large mirror above the fireplace. Her cheeks were red, and she still had the sparkly bow in her hair. The Yuletide Spirit, a Telfair Twins book. Maybe your birthday in this book will be better than mine is turning out. Isn't a palindrome birthday like ours supposed to be lucky? Let's see what you get into. Lost in the world of her book, Emmy soon lost track of time. Emmy marked her page and put down her book, then crept towards the nearest window. The room felt colder now, and the curtains moved gently with the wind that snuck through the cracks around the old window. Outside, snowflakes swirled thickly, choking the darkness as they clung to the tree branches and the window Emmy looked through. I should check the weather. I wonder if Pop's weather radio is still in the kitchen. froze in place, waiting for the power to come back like it usually did at home. It didn't. A long minute passed while she listened to the wind howling outside, getting her eyes adjusted to the darkness. A glimmer of red light caught her attention, and she turned her head. It was the microwave. The panel that usually counted down the time or flashed food ready was now scrolling letters across the display. E-M-O-H- E-M-O-C-A-N-N-A-E-M-O-H-E-M-O-C-A-N-N-A? 
Emmy took a step back, bumping into the little island. Her elbow brushed against the bottle of Gatorade, and she picked it up. She glanced towards the living room, but it was dark, the power still out. A faint greenish glow brought her attention back to the kitchen counter, where the clock on the coffee maker had just lit up. E-M-O-H-E-M-O-C-A-N-N-A-E-M-O-H-E-M-O-C I'm imagining things. I have a fever. I was reading a scary book. Emmy turned her back on the impossible lights and crept her way slowly and carefully to the little bedroom where her overnight bag was. Her mom said it had been her bedroom until Emmy was two and they finally moved into their own place. Emmy couldn't picture even just her mom in the tiny twin bed, let alone with a baby. She set the bottle of Gatorade on the floor, then felt around in the dark, using the dim red light from the clock radio to help her find the zipper of her bag. Emmy looked at the clock radio, half knowing what she would see. Come home, Annie. Come home, Annie. Come The words are backwards, just like in the book. The Telfair twins had just found some writing that could only be read in a mirror. <gasps> Come home, Anna. Wait, no. The power's out, and I'm alone in a strange cabin with a fever and a book about ghosts. The clock isn't saying anything. This camping lantern might have been the best birthday present ever. I'm so glad I brought it along. With her camping light in one hand, Emmy pulled the scratchy knit blanket thing off the bed with her other and brought it into the living room with her. It wasn't freezing cold yet, but it was better to have a blanket. She was sure her mom and stepdad would be back soon. They wouldn't leave her alone in a storm like this. Wait, where's my book? Emmy checked on the floor and under the love seat and under the blanket, but the book was nowhere to be found. She felt her own forehead, wondering if she was so hot she was forgetting things, but it was hard to tell. She went into the kitchen, and sure enough, her book was closed and sitting in front of the silent weather radio, right beside the Gatorade. What? Thank God. Oh, what a mess. Emmy shivered in her Gatorade-soaked pajamas. She peeled off her wet socks and took the lantern back to the little bedroom, dug back in her bag and pulled out the jeans and sweatshirt that she was supposed to wear on the way home tomorrow. The clock radio flashed its backwards message as Emmy stepped into the chilly clothes. My name is Emmy. Get it right. Anna, come home. Anna, come home. Anna, come home. Shut up. Emmy turned the face of the clock to the wall. She put on her socks, took the lantern, and went back out to the kitchen. The card for the old people's place was by the phone, she remembered. I could call. I could tell Mom that the fever was getting worse. Maybe much worse. She could come back if she hadn't already left. Emmy turned around slowly, 
but nothing was there. She stepped away from the phone and the sound got louder. Mira. Is that the radio? But it shouldn't even work. The power's still out. Still no dial tone. But is there someone there? Not real. The coffee maker and the microwave flashed their messages at her, their lights eerie in the dark and silent cabin. Emmy could hear her heartbeat, and she kept forgetting to breathe. She leaned against the counter with her eyes closed until she felt stronger, and then walked into the living room with her eyes trained firmly on the floor. There was a little table on the other side of the love seat from the lamp, and Emmy put the camp lantern on it slowly, almost carefully. Mirror? What else did those voices say on the phone? She stood in front of the fireplace, took a deep breath, and looked up. Her reflection looked down. Emmy stared for a minute, waiting for blood to drip out of her eyes or some other horrible thing, but it was all just... normal. Her reflection was red-cheeked and glassy-eyed. She could see the love seat behind her and the lantern on the little table. And behind that... <gasps> what is that? She turned her whole attention to the mirror. Not her reflection, no. This time she was staring at the spill of blood on the living room floor and the two women in the middle of it. Emmy's reflection watched too. There was no sound from the mirror, but Emmy could tell the pregnant girl was screaming. The other woman was between her legs, reaching up and pushing on the girl's belly. Emmy couldn't look away. Mesmerized, she watched this silent scene in the mirror. The pregnant girl was crying. The older woman was stone-faced. There was snow on the window beside them and an oil lamp on the small table. The pregnant girl pushed again, and a small, slippery infant landed in the other woman's hands. Before the midwife could finish cutting the cord with what looked like kitchen shears, the girl was pushing again, and another baby joined the first. The older woman stayed very still for a moment, then continued swaddling the first baby, leaving the other on the rug beside her. It didn't move. Emmy took a step closer to the mirror, trying to see better. Her reflection remained motionless. There's two. What about the other one? The older woman handed the wrapped baby to the exhausted girl lying back on a pile of pillows. That's Mom, and that has to be Nana. Nana said something to Liz, and a final push produced the placenta. Emmy had seen plenty of nature documentaries, so it was not the gory mess of the birth that was tightening her chest. It was the fact that it was her own birth she was witnessing. Nana looked back over her shoulder for a moment, reaching for what looked like a plastic tub that would fit in the sink. She put the afterbirth in the tub, then looked down at the other baby, which still wasn't moving. After a long moment, she gave herself the sign of the cross, wrapped the umbilical cord around the second baby's neck, and put it in the tub with the placenta. She dropped a towel on top and said something to Liz, who only had eyes for the baby in her arms, before standing up and carrying the tub out of the room, out of view. Emmy, my sweet Emmy. No, no, come back! Emmy's knees went weak, and she tore her eyes away from the mirror long enough to sit on the love seat. I'm a twin? 
She looked back into the mirror, but the scene was gone, replaced by the real living room, the clean rug, and her own expressionless face. Emmy reached up to touch her cheeks where the tears had left trails, but her reflection just watched her. Mom! Mom? Emmy backed away with her hands over her mouth, sure she was going to throw up. Her mom had no idea she had twins, Emmy realized. Nana never told her. How does anyone keep a secret like that? Emmy felt her forehead with her wrist, but couldn't tell if she was as hot as she felt or if her hands were cold because the power was out and there was a raging snowstorm outside. This couldn't be real. Had she ever read about anyone being delirious with fever? Would she know if she was delirious? Emmy looked out of the kitchen window, which was built up with accumulated snow. Wind still whistled outside, but perhaps not as strong as it had been. There were no lights outside, no comforting crunch of wheels to announce the return of her mother. Even Jeff would be a welcome sight. What am I supposed to do? The mirror. The mirror. Mirror. Emmy rubbed her cold fingers on her burning cheeks and forehead, resisting the urge to yawn. You're not tired. You're probably already asleep with the book on your stomach. She picked her head up and straightened her spine in an unconsciously accurate imitation of her mother and went back to the living room. Her reflection watched her arrive. Emmy examined the rest of the mirror first, checking for any other dramatic events. She found none. Did that actually happen? She looked at herself in the mirror, but it wasn't her. It was never her. How could she have thought it was? Her twin pointed towards the bottom of the mirror. Street words appeared as if drawn by a finger on a mirror after a hot bath. You're the other baby. Emmy took a deep breath. This felt too real to be a fever dream, but there was no other explanation. When she used to wake up screaming from her nightmares, Jeff would tell her that she had to finish the dream to take away its power. She could never manage it, waking instead in a cold, breathless sweat. You want to come home? Emmy watched her reflection raise its glassy cheeks to her, seeing the brilliant red of her fevered cheeks extending into her hairline. It was the same, but different. Emmy felt sad. Anna looked not sad. Something else. Emmy couldn't make herself think of the right word. Emmy nodded, thinking again of Nana and what she had done and why.
Well, that certainly gave one pause to reflect on what might have been and what came to pass. Which would you rather, sad truth or blissful ignorance? Certainly, the truth has a way of finding you in the end. Speaking of which, I hope I shall find you exactly where I expect to next Thursday. Good night. Cabin Fever was written by Tanya Schofield. Liz was played by Danielle Thuin. Jeff was played by Adam DeWeese. Emmy was played by Irish Cobbler from Fiverr. Silas and the narrator were both played by Jurundu. You can expect to hear more episodes of Storytime with Silas every Thursday, each October. For more Majestic Goose content, head over to MajesticGoose.com or join our Discord at bit.ly slash halfway to Discord. You can support this show and all the other shows on the network by heading over to Patreon.com slash Majestic Goose Network, where every dollar goes a long way. From myself, Adam DeWeese, and the cast and crew that have brought together this episode, as well as the other episodes that you are going to be hearing this October, we sincerely appreciate you taking time to check out our show. Hope you all enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. A Majestic Goose Podcast. Fuck. Fuck.